Thank you for listening to this Podcast One Sportsnet production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Hey guys, just got done with the pod. It was a barn burner. Some honest talk about a cold streak. Honest. Very insightful. And also, we had multiple crossfires and a two-on-one Andre the Giant crossfire best bet. Ken Thompson playing Andre the Giant, but he wanted to be Hulk Hogan. And I got involved in a couple of bets myself. Bucking Brad with the Buckeyes. Now, Bet DSI. There's a lot of ways to look at books, a lot of ways for books to potentially differentiate themselves. One of them, getting paid. That's the starting point. I don't care about anything. You can have the best lines in the world. If you don't get paid, it doesn't matter. So what do we do? How do we learn? How do we speculate if someone's going to pay you their history? Think about people you've lent money to. Do they pay you back? That influences your thoughts the next time. Bet DSI has been paying winners for 20 years. Multiple betting review sites, top rated. And we've talked about the bonus and it's still there. We don't know for how long. 100% bonus match. But really, that, that the, the pyramid of decision making when it comes to what books you want, at the base, one of the foundational blocks, getting paid, BetDSI has 20 years with that. You go to BetDSI.com, promo code BELL101. BetDSI.com, promo code BELL101. History says you're going to get paid. And history says, if you listen to the Dream Preview, there's going to be need. There's a need to pay you. Even if we have a cold streak like Brad did, we talk about it next. Welcome to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Weekly winners from his Wise Guy Roundtable. Broadcasting from the pregame.com studios in Las Vegas. Here is R.J. Bell. That's right. Week six, college football season. Week six, dream preview with the wise guy roundtable to my left. All the college knowledge, Brad Powers. To my right. These are the 24th Pythons, the largest arms to ever enter goals, Jim Daddy. (laughs) Ken Thompson. You know what's funny, Ken? I was talking about your arms and Hogan's so much. You had like two weeks that you wore sleeves and you didn't get any reaction. I think you were looking for attention. And you, every week now, they go higher and higher. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you're cutting them drunk, but like, like, do you think to yourself, how high up on my shoulder can they get? They're almost like those gold gym, you know, weight. Remember yeah. those old school weightlifting? Yeah, deals? those tank tops. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like, like, do you do you ever say, you know, it's a two inch day, you know, where it's like two inches down, or you get pumped up and you're like, you know, this is a up to my collarbone kind of day, you know, <laughs> is that a decision? No, I just try to make sure I don't screw it up by the <laughs> over there. But my wife gets really ticked off. She's like, you just took a really nice t shirt and you just cut it. Why? Why do you do that all the time? And you're like. Baby, why do you think I work these arms like this all the time? I mean, it's not easy. Let's be honest. All right, guys, listen. Serious week. We're going to be super 
we're going to try to have fun, but we are going to be zeroed in. And the reason why the best bets just aren't doing so well, we're going to address that head on. And we're going to show you quickly, actually, because it's very simple. This isn't even a debate. You either agree with me or you are wrong. And I don't say that very often. But with over 30 years batting, over 20 years in one form or another providing data and content to the masses. And again, the, those first years, the masses were, you know, 50 people. <laughs> so maybe not the masses, but to the public. I, this is my, I might know some NFL. I might know some other things. I know about winning and losing over the long term because the reality is pregame.com has sold more picks in the last 10 years than any site, any company in the world. And there's a reason. We provide amazing value. And also we are able to handle the swings because the swings are inevitable. It doesn't matter. It's just you can't say, oh, don't worry, long-term results. Okay. That's part of it, but it's not all of it. And those that act like it is, is are not allowing you guys to be human. And some of you out there get it, and some of you, this is part of your learning experience. And that's a wonderful thing, right? This is what makes it fun for us. If you just want action, you can go to an online casino and just play blackjack mindlessly, you know, crush up some Adderall and snort it like Fez does. Well, he doesn't really, but it seems like he does sometimes. <laughs> Are we sure he doesn't? I don't know. He's too square Yeah. when it comes to life. He's sharp as a tack the other way, though. So what I know is this, and, and, and let's keep it really simple. Brad's 0 for 4 on his best bets. Now, that's not great. What we know is, understatement, what we know is that it's four games. And imagine you have a 55% chance of doing something, all right, which is winning. Well, that means you have a 45% chance of losing, right? That's pretty simple. Now, you know, it's funny. This is the first time I've ever gotten a calculator out, but I'm not going to play my sound effect, <laughs> which is kind of weird. All right. So what we're going to do is we're going to take 0.45 times 0.45. That's a chance of losing two in a row. Times 0.45. And then one more. Times 0.45. So the odds of losing... Four straight games, if you're Brad, is there's a 4.1% chance. And that's with my assumption in history's evidence that he wins about 55% of the time long term. Now, 25 to 1 or so doesn't happen every day. Well, it's the first time it's ever happened on the pod after all these years. So, yes, this is a rare occurrence. Now you might say, well, I wasn't there last year. Well, yeah, you kind of got the point even saying that. What was your record last year, Brad? 11 and 3. Okay, on the best batch right on the here best in batch. front of the world. Yes. So, let me do the math. All right. So that is 11 and 7. Yep. All right. All right. Now, what percentage is that? That's 61%. So, guys, this is. The key here, if you're feeling the pain of losing, that's human. No one is denying that. And I can promise you, I hate losing. Whew. 
one of the things I really had to overcome was being willing to lose for stretches when I knew I was in a winning spot because you just want to flee. If you're risk averse, and it's kind of ironic, I am risk averse, though I love a risk that I have an edge on. It's kind of weird. I, I guess I, I'm risk averse when it's a bad risk. And even though I, you know, I'd be in a situation I won for years and nothing had changed, I still, you know, when you go three and 11, you know, which I've done for sure, you think, you know, I don't need this. I'm, getting, I'm living it. I'm, 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 I'm bleeding for it. I'm living and dying with it in a way. At least that part of myself. The amount of money betting for me makes up is not a big percentage, meaning I do well, but I'm very selective. I like to bet more on, a, you know, less games. That's my style. But it's a lot of grief, but I love it. I love it and I hate it in a way, but I hate it when I'm losing. Because I hate losing. And in a weird way, you would think you get used to losing, but you don't. If anything, it's like a guy who didn't get a lot of dates in high school. And, Brad, I'm just bringing this up randomly. I'm not saying Yeah, I you. bet you are. <laughs> and then he gets out to Vegas, let's say, gets a slightly different haircut, you know. And then all of a sudden he's, you know, he's out dating, having fun, having intimacy, we'll call it. And then if you go on a cold streak, you're like, oh, I remember this. So everyone that starts batting loses at the beginning. Maybe not your first bat or your first, usually you win your first bat. That's kind of the way he hooks you in. I certainly, the first bat I ever made, I've told this story many times. I don't think I've ever run the pod, so it'll be a 10-second one. 20 bucks, four-team or one of those 10-to-1 yeah. parlays. Minus one, minus one, ties, lose. Like every edge the, the cockroach yeah. bookie could get, I won. I was so happy. I get the... Uh, 10 $20 bills back, you know, game one. Yeah. I guess I got 11 back, right? It wasn't one of those 10-4-1 deals oh, either. Yeah. And then every week I'm like, well, this is the ticket. Just win one, every three of these, I'm fine. <laughs> that envelope was empty before I won another one. <laughs> so that happens, right? But then you get over it. You start to win, and that's tough. But if you do, then you go three out of 14 or three and 11. It's like, ugh, do I need this? I got a... 6.30 a.m. radio hit. I've got a business meeting. I've got invest. You know, The fact that I still do it tells you I love it. But I think that what you learn is being able to get through the bad streaks is the toughest thing. Because, Brad, you are so attentive to wanting to win. You are so invested in it that I'm always, when we have these talks and we talk a lot about it, you know, you don't have many cold streaks, but when you do is we always talk about what, be honest about what you might want to change, but boy, that should be a small list. might be nothing. It might just be nothing. And again, if you were winning everything else, the 4-0 wouldn't get any discussion, but it's, it hasn't been a great season for no, you. You started with a bad week since you've been 50-50, but, you know, with a bad week. So it's like... It's, you know, take a second, step back, reevaluate. I know you have. I think there's a spot or two you're thinking that you should select your games differently, meaning you've got like the the, the 20 you got leans on or whatever. Yep. And then you've been thinking about, because those are actually winning. And again, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Because no one's, it's not like they're getting those and it's easy to say it. Yeah. But for you, it feels like, and you, you know, you can share. I just want to make sure this is such. And again, you're, you know, you're in your mid thirties. This is. Uh, I've been through this for another uh, ten plus years, and 
I learned a lot in that time. And I think it's important for you to be honest about what you're feeling because the worst thing you can ever hear from a handicapper is how he's discouraged because that means the things that make him gutsy, he's not going to be gutsy. You know, if I was losing and I was publicly giving my stuff out, all of a sudden I can't take the Dolphins. I know the Dolphins lost last week, but I have no problem giving the Dolphins, right? Because I have won in front of, you know, an NFL, I've won in front of the world for five straight seasons. Now, some of that is luck, no doubt about it. And I've lost four straight games during that time, I promise. So... To me, I want to hear your own words, but I don't want you to share with what you think people want to hear. I, I want you to share the truth, and that's really what we've been talking about before the pod is how to get that out there. And I guess to me, you know, what I'd like to hear about is are you questioning your any handicapping approaches or is it about, you know, winnowing down the many picks of the few? Well, yeah, I mean, drastic changes? Absolutely not, RJ. What it comes to is those second tier games. It's all about the bet selection process. And I just want to say, I mean, as far as phil- philosophically, I'm going to stay in the course. I mean, but it's not, it doesn't mean that I'm thousand not. Thousand points of light. <laughs> yeah, thousand points of Wow. Old Saturday Night Live. <laughs> but, I mean, obviously, I'm taking it very seriously. And you mentioned, hey, you're in your mid 30s. I mean, legitimately off the farm. It's not like I'm betting 10000 a game. I'm betting these games, so it hurts my pocketbook. So Th- you're betting every game? Every game. That you relate? Th- about 1000 Most tickets, 1000 And like, I post we, a we lot call, of these we, on Twitter. We caught a dime here in Vegas. Yeah, a dime. And some of nickels. And don't, if you question me, I post them on Twitter. Nickels, dimes, Well, first all off, time. if people question you, that's not who we're talking no. to. We're talking to the people who li- have listened, even if it's just this year. You can't listen to one show. And not know Brad is super knowledgeable and Ken is super knowledgeable, right? And Ken, you know, you, you got a one for this is why it's reached kind of a point of talking about is these things happen. We could act like it wasn't, but that wouldn't be honest. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I know. You're, you know, 11 and 7 on the pod last two years. We could promote that. No, no, no. It's this year. If you didn't win last year's, okay. Or if you did, that money spent and you just want to keep winning, okay, that's a little tougher to take, but okay. But there's two ways to react. You feel your losses, but then you decide what did we learn from the losses? Meaning, do we, did we learn that so-and-so can't win? Well, I, my confidence in Brad is as high as it's ever been. And the way he's handling this causes me to have more confidence. If you know something's going to go tough, it's going to be tough to get through. And deal, not get through, but tough to handle with grace and with, with uh, honesty. And then you see him doing it. You see all of his instincts being right. That causes you to be more. I always say with a new friend, it's tough to make really good new friends. But even someone that you would ever go to dinner with one-on-one and it's not pure business. I always say until we have our first disagreement, and it can be a small one, you don't ever really know the other person. When everything's going good, it's easy, right? Yeah. And when you have a disagreement and then you see you can get through it reasonably, then you can feel more confident about the relationship. This is the worst run you've had, I think. Yep. And I'm seeing you get through it in a way that is exactly what I would recommend. And that encourages me. So here's what I'm going to do. 
this is all preamble for me to brag about being in the lead here amongst you guys, is I haven't seen your best bet. That's kind of the fun of this. We don't go through and compare and try to say, you know, we should agree on. No, no, no. It's every, we love when we disagree because that's when the betting happens. I'm going to bet $1,000 on your best bet blind. I'm making a commitment. I'll put the ticket out. Except there's one exception. If Ken disagrees with it, then I'm only betting a nickel. I'm still going with you, but I'm only betting a nickel. Aren't there two exceptions, RJ? Oh, wait. That's a good point. Yeah. Oh, my God. You haven't bet against Ohio State, have you? <laughs> no, but I do like the, whoa, 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 like whoa. the team on the other side. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So this is going to be exciting. I'm going to get a chance to win with you and then win against you. That's a Quinella in my book. Ken, what, what's your two-year record on the pod? It's exactly the same as Brad's, 11-7-1. So you're no better than Brad? No better than Brad. But I'll take that. Wow, that's about the humblest thing I've ever heard from him. Isn't it? Yeah. Yep. You must be impressed, Brad. <laughs> All right, enough of that. Let's get to celebrating for me. All right, Green Button. Green Button has not been good to Brad Powers. Two and four on the season. Did split out with you, RJ, last week. I took the worst of the numbers in both games. They didn't matter either game. You won one, I won one, one and one. In a weird way, you got to wonder how confident you are. You're, you know, not having your best season, and you're saying, ah, take two and a half extra points. I think it's going to work out for me. Green Button, I'm over 500 now, four and three on the year. I believe two and one last week, but uh, I'll take it. You got me on the Northwestern Wisconsin game. Great call by Brad, but I got him on a couple other games. So I'm glad to be over 500. Now I got to catch Ken, you. Ken, we got it. You're over 500. Yeah, I'm, I'm right Jeez. on your tail, pal. <laughs> <laughs> Me, I'm the champion last year, and I'm the current leader this year. I mean, I could give numbers, yeah. but it'd be wasting everyone's time. The best, R.J. Bell. Talking about the great one, R.J. Bell. Thanks for pressing that, Ken. I, I was waiting for that drop. <laughs> You're saying I'm predictable? Oh, that Stephen A, man. All right, so I'm excited. I'm going to have a, a dime down on college. Blind? I don't think I've ever done this. A little uncomfortable. We'll see. I hope I like the pick. And we're going to go through all the big games with vigor. Showtime! First game, Georgia on the road, 25 and a half at Tennessee. Brad, quick question, open question. Georgia since the start of the season, because one of the things we've been talking about on straight out of Vegas is that Alabama and Clemson, even though Clemson had a close call, really not downgraded in any real way. Clemson a little bit by you over the course of the season. But their odds to win it has plummeted. Not nah, plummeted. That's a fezic. No, they've gone down yeah. from about what sixty five percent. Down to what fifty five percent. Exactly. And that must mean the competition looks better. Now we know the Ohio State University, LSU. We'll talk about these teams probably. Georgia Oklahoma. though, where, Oklahoma. Where's yeah. Georgia in the mix? Georgia's about flat. I mean, Georgia came into the season as the clear number three team. I think not only in Vegas is eyes, but also in the AP poll. And, and, yeah, they got a good win over Notre Dame, but 
really was it a good win? That was a game that a lot of people, including myself, thought Georgia would dominate. And that's a game Georgia had to rally in the second half and then hold on for dear life on the final possession. You know, they're about flat. They were impressive the first three games. But, RG, and this is something new you brought up. You know, are they really that impressive if they're a 35-point favorite and they win by 42? So a lot of blowout wins to start the season. I'm unsure a little bit on Georgia. Here's what we know. Jeff Sagarin has been doing computer. uh, I mean, I remember, I don't know how old he is. I mean, but in the mid-'80s when I was 15 years old, Sagarin's numbers, I was yeah. would calculate, and that was my starting point trying to figure things out. It's like, oh, there's a computer. I want the computer on my side, and which makes a little sense, I guess. <laughs> and to me, none of these computers have ever figured out what to do with margin, especially as it gets out there. And I do think there's diminishing returns, meaning – Games take on a different character when they're so far out of what you would expect. You know, when Minnesota dominated Atlanta early, you know, week one, they were up big in that game. And obviously we're talking NFL here. And you could say Atlanta played bad or you could say they got out of their game. So once a score's out of a game, you know, a team's out of their game, it becomes about that scenario, not a normal game scenario. And I also think in college, when you have a 28-point line, once you get up to the 30s or so, or 40s, and then maybe it's a 40-point line, it's about desire for margin. And to me, those are very different than how good a team is. Yep. And that's why I disagree with your Clemson to some degree, which is, oh, they covered, covered, but then they – but yeah, when you win by 50 and you're favored by 38, I'm not sure how much that tells you. It tells you you didn't disappoint. Yep. So, so in this game, I'm leaning with Tennessee here and I got to be honest with you. I have a huge overlay in my power ranks. I have downgraded Tennessee who I was high on coming in the season by nearly double digits, Tennessee, Virginia tech, UCLA, all these teams among my lowest, as far as biggest downgrades since the start of the season. And, And compared to the market, looks like I haven't downgraded them enough. And, but with that being said... Well, hold on a second. You say, compared to the market, you haven't downgraded them enough. Except that is the an anatomy of an opinion, right? Yes. So why are you sure the market's right? If so, what's the point of your power ratings? Fair enough. The market's been right so far. So I've lost with Tennessee so but, far. But hold on. The market's been right. You yeah. saw the result and you made yeah. an adjustment. Yes. And the market's adjusted. I think if anything... Whenever there's something that in your gut, if you had bet Tennessee a couple of times, you hate Tennessee. Yeah. Right. That to me is the recipe for overreaction. Yeah, and there's no governor on this, you know, Tennessee lines because the guys, even sharper guys that like Tennessee, a bet Tennessee lost with Tennessee multiple times, and now I'm sure there's even guys, sharps after a while start to question their handicap. Exactly. So here's what I'm thinking with Tennessee. Except with the Browns, it seems like a couple <laughs> years ago. I'm thinking after a bye. They had a bye last week. If there's ever going to be a reset for Tennessee season, it's going to be this coming off a bye. I lean with Tennessee here. By the way, you know something? Let's get Ken's thought because I got a, a clear thought on this game that's not about the game. It's about the situation. So, Ken. I'm leaning Tennessee as well just because I think it's too many points and off the bye. But the 
you know, Jeremy Pruitt just said he doesn't even know who he's going to start a quarterback. And I think that's more or less to get in Guarantano, the starter's head. I don't think he's going to go with Maurer or Strout, the other two guys. I think it's just to let this guy realize, look, your job's not safe, so you better play A-plus football. And if he does that, I think they're good enough to be able to stay in the game. It's a lot of points, 25 and a half points, and they're at home in Knoxville. This is what I did with the Michigan game. It's kind of funny. People said, uh, you know, because I ended up putting out a late little opinion. Well, I mean, it was a bat, so it wasn't like a best bat, but it was a bat, so I won't say a little opinion. Is And I had in the first half, or uh, I'm sorry, Rutgers, and then I had money line Rutgers. What did they lose, 52 nothing. Yeah. Well, that sounds bad, right? True enough. But what I was trying to avoid was Harbaugh being in the range of the spread and wanting to make a statement. I didn't watch the game, thankfully. Did did it feel like he was trying to run it up? Yeah, to a certain extent. Yeah, mm-hmm, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the trick here is what is your handicap and how do you get at it? Here's my question. If Tennessee's down 28 with five minutes left, I feel a lot worse them needing a backdoor score than I would in a typical spot. Yep. Because it's like this is, a ch- in a weird way, the same thing that makes you think Tennessee might play hard, a chance to save their season, is the thing that would demotivate them late in the game when the spread might be in question. We're not going to win this game. We're not going to save our season. What's it matter? So I don't think you can play Tennessee on the money line. Yeah. I mean, you could, but I mean, it's so to me, if you like Tennessee – I'm not sure how to get at it. I mean, first how, half. Yeah, but they might, if they get down 14 nothing, they might get depressed. Yeah, that's true. You almost got to hope they, I mean, it's almost like just put a little flyer on the money line if you like Tennessee. Because I don't like the fourth quarter dynamics if it's near the spread. Yep. And that's what you always got to ask yourself. If this game is near the spread late, is there any motivational? Or game management, you know, does this team need to throw? But if they have the – think about how's the game play within one score of the spread late when there's these big, big spreads. And sometimes they're an edge. I'll think, oh, that team's always throwing late. You know, they'll f- – or it might be the opposite. I like that. That's strong, RJ, right off the bat. Yeah, I guess that's why you're that's, winning college. That's a, <laughs> I don't watch it or know it. I watch, you know, 10 minutes a week. Up next, Kansas State revitalized perhaps, favored by two at home against Baylor. Ken, you like Kansas State. I do like Kansas State. I like them at home. They're a very disciplined team. They didn't play well last week, and Baylor actually found a way to get a, get the job done at home against Iowa State, built a big lead, and then had to hold on for dear life. I'm still not sold on the Baylor team, and now they go on the road, and the Little Apple is not going to be an easy place to go. I think they're going to get beat. It'll be their first loss. I, look, I like what Matt Rule's doing there. He's trying to build this program from the ground up after all the problems that they had down there. And uh, you know what? It's just a tough environment, and I'm just looking for K-State to take care of business. Skylar Thompson's going to do enough at quarterback, and I think that Kansas State wins by about a touchdown. Okay. So, Brad, you lean Kansas State. And what we're going to do now, we didn't do it on the first game, is when you have your leans – if you're first, you're going to give the number one reason you, you, you even lean. But when you're second, I want you to counterpunch. I want you to tell me something that you most agree with and what okay. you most disagree with. What I most disagree with was major concerns Baylor coming into last week. Who in the hell has Baylor played? I mean, they hadn't played a top 120 team in my power ratings. So what happened out of the gates? 
they get off the big lead over Iowa State. And what I really liked is after they almost gave up a 20 to nothing lead, they they got punched back for the first time this season. They responded by winning that game. I mean, it could have been easily they could have folded the tents. Iowa State just scored a late touchdown against them. Oh, we blew a lead. We're not that good. What Baylor do? They responded, got a field goal. I got to think this team is feeling really good about themselves. And on the other side, Kansas State. Right, so that so you're saying mental toughness that you were uncertain of. Exactly. And that, that makes you obviously like Baylor more. No, or that's one of the reasons you like Baylor or you don't like Baylor. It's what you like about Baylor. Yes. You know, let's redo that. That was horrible. Three, two, one. Okay, so to be clear then, you do lean Kansas State. Yep. But that was contradicting him. So I, I think we got to get a better system for that. I think in general, lead with what you're opinion is if it agrees or disagrees lead with that so in this case this is why you best like Kansas State but you like him just enough for a lane yeah and and the reason being is Kansas State prior to last week had a lot of great data points including going on the road in SEC country and beating a Mississippi State team and, and really controlling that game there seems to be a different energy in this program look I love the job Bill Snyder did for, what, 30 years, one of the best coaching jobs in the history of college football. But the last couple of years were stale, and especially on the offensive side of the ball, there seems to be more imagination for Kansas State this year. But see, that seems like two different things. One, imagination is creativity on offense. The other is energy, like fan enthusiasm and stuff. Yeah. So which one are we talking about? Both? Talking about both, yeah. There's a little bit more. Hmm. I don't know. Is it me or did Kansas State, all like, you know, obviously there might have been a three-game stretch, but... They were still, like, covering as underdogs like a crazy amount, right? Yeah, they were. So, like, what did you expect? But they weren't winning. I mean, they weren't getting. They weren't winning the games they should have. There was a game, you know, they could have went to a bowl last year, and they just blew a, a game as, like, a three-touchdown. They were winning the game by three touchdowns over Iowa State last year. And th- well, that's, that Matt Campbell, man, he's tough. <laughs> no, but, I mean, that's just something Bill Snyder teams don't do, blow a lead you, with a bowl so you're game on it was the line? La- his last game. Yeah. Well, let's be candid. Did we know at the time it was his last game? Or that that this was his last. There was season? rumors swirling because you got to wonder. I, I mean, you've been around college football yeah. enough. The bowl is a big endeavor. Yeah, like he's getting paid pretty much the same. I mean, I I did get a bowl bonus, but he's made so much money. Like he had to work another month, or it was like mm. I'm done. I never thought of it. I mean, that not way. that he would ever. I mean, I know him a little bit. It, you know what's funny? I'll keep this simple. I was very, you know, connected in the Mangino operation. Got fired, you know, Kansas over being so intense. I was connected with the dude from, uh, and again, this was a little more distant, the dude from uh, South Florida, Levitt. Yep, Jim Levitt. Who was pretty wild, right? Get fired for stuff off the field type of stuff. Too yeah. intense. Well, yeah, but not off the field, yeah. you know. Not off the, yeah. More practice. on the field. Yeah, practice. Yeah. He's back at, he's at Florida State now. Connected with Leach, locking people supposedly or whatever in outhouses yeah. or whatever. Yeah. It's like Bill. If every coach, it's like you know, people of a certain age. You know, were you in Nam? You know, you're in the shit. You know, again, I'm something. That's my dad, and he was in Vietnam, and I hear how he, him and his friends talk. Though <laughs> Rushmore, the movie with Bill Murray, takes that and makes it just so great, profound, and also funny, but. All these coaches, when they get together and start telling war stories, and I'm just listening, Bill Snyder, the first five, seven, ten years, 
That's the war story. He, you know, he was working 80 and he was at the office for 80 and you had to be at the office when he was. And you think of the coaches that left there as soon as they could, <laughs> but they, his tree's pretty impressive. Yes, absolutely. And obviously with Bob Stoops being, you know, at the top of it. Last question on this game. Do we have the data? Cause I'd be interested to do it. Otherwise how Kansas state has done at home in the non-Bill Snyder year since Bill Snyder came. So he came, he established this as a tough place to play. But then Prince was there. There was someone else there, wasn't No, it was just Prince for like three years. Okay. That's it. So, so we got three years plus a couple games. I just am interested. And okay. again, obviously it's not going to be compared to the winning years, but did what was the differential between the home and away points or what, you know, point net margin? Because I just wonder, is this a Bill Snyder home field advantage? Or is this a, is, is now the Kansas State home field? Mm, okay. Because they were shockingly good at home. Yep. Even against, you know, really good teams. All right, so Ken, you like Kansas State. I like Kansas State. Next up, Oregon. Interesting dynamics in this game. Cow. Now, Oregon favored by 17 and a half. And we have a double like on the game, Kent. Okay, first off, Chase Garbers is out. Quarterback for Cal, major loss. Modster coming in. Came in last week to mop up after Garbers went down. 6 of 15, 39 yards, no touchdowns, one interception. They're going to have to rely on the, on the running game. Oregon's coming off a bye. Autzen Stadium, one of the toughest places to win. And Oregon, I really feel that because Auburn, their only loss, is playing so well that Oregon sees the door still open to get in the playoff. If they take out everybody, including a win in Seattle in a couple weeks, and they don't want to jump ahead, but they know they can control their own destiny to get a shot at that playoff, I think Oregon's going to roll big time. Herbert, outstanding quarterback, too many offensive weapons. As good as Cal's defense is, and they've got the leading tackler in the country and Evan Weaver, still Oregon will expand on that lead. Why? Because Cal will not be able to score, and sooner or later you're going to look up and there's going to be a touchdown, then another touchdown. <clears throat> I see somewhere in the neighborhood of 35-6. to six. What's, the, what's the over-under on this? 46. Okay, so this is a big number for a total. Yes, like it that. is. But, Brad, you like it too. I do. I like Oregon. And a little pull behind the curtain. After I did Ken's show on Friday night, I'm listening to the Cal-Arizona State game on my way home, and it's the California announced team. And it's the last couple drives of the game. Joe Starkey. Yes. And they, with the backup in, Devin Monster, who's going to start and play this game, they were, like, exasperated is the word I can come up with. They were like, hey, look, this is a tough spot for the kid to come in, but you got to be able to complete a screen pass when, when you got to move the chains a little bit. I mean, they had no confidence whatsoever. I mean, they're like, if we don't get a first down here, that game over. I mean, it was really Who's they? Cali rounds, California <laughs> announced team was very negative about this backup quarterback, and that's usually when you're, you're announced team for Cal – it should be positive. Put a positive spin. They weren't. So that's a negative. So do you agree that in general, announcers around, I mean, people don't realize how close they are to the team. Yeah. You know, they're going on trips together. This isn't the Stones, you know, the Stones yeah. are on a private jet. And, you know, so I think guys like that, announcers like that learn things. And Ken, you have a lot on your show. And sometimes they can't really say it, but they say it. Joe Starkey's been there forever. He had a choice, RJ, to keep the 49ers job, NFL, or the Cal job. And he chose the Cal job because he was doing both. 
and he had that choice, mm. and he chose the cow. He made the call, of course, the band on the field, the Stanford call, one of the most iconic calls of all times, but he bleeds cow. So if RJ, I mean, if Brad's listening to that and that's his demeanor, I'd agree with yeah. him. Yeah. Is that the game where they, Al Michaels goes, do you believe in miracle? Oh, wait, no, that was hard. No, no. That's the band is out on the field. The band is out on the field. That's the call. Oh, my gosh. That, we might want to do that yeah. is record some famous calls. Brad Powers doing it, though. <laughs> oh, jeez. That would be fun. Get you drunk. Yeah, I'd do it. All right. I would do it. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, speaking of doing it, how about this Oregon defense? The publicity goes to the offense and Justin Herbert. But this is an Oregon defense that hasn't allowed a touchdown in three consecutive games. First time that's happened for Oregon since 1935. And I also think some of the mispricing on Oregon is, what if they would have just held on to a lead against Auburn in that game? What would we be thinking of Oregon right now? We'd be thinking legitimate national title contender out of the Pac-12. I like the Ducks here. Okay, so first off, we were talking drinking. I know you, know you grew up a drinker. Is that fair to say? Yep. And then it seemed like for a while in Vegas you were really cutting back. Yeah. Are you back to drinking? No. The no. losing streak didn't get you back? No, not yet. Your scratches on my back from 20 years in this business. Let me tell you something. If you want to survive, you either got to fight the tiger or you got to dance with the tiger. So the booze would help dancing with the tiger. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Jeez. Last thing. Do you guys agree with this? If you like Oregon, but you're not sure, you're on that borderline, I think you wait to see the Auburn final. If Auburn wins, which these are kids now. This isn't super rational, but I think there's some rational thought to it also, rationale. Oh, look, that win puts us, not that we control our own destiny, but, hey, there's a hell of a chance if we win. Though if Auburn loses, hmm. That's bad for us. If you're deflated just a little bit in a 17-and-a-half-point line, that seems meaningful. Yeah. I like that. That's strong. That's what I would do. And there's going to be about an hour window between those two games. Perfect. Do a few shots. Oh, wait. (laughs) Jeez. Next up, Stanford. Washington University. Washington. 16-and-a-half on the road. Now, there's a double like here, but it's Fezzik. And Brad, I'll do Fezzix. Now, this might be unexpected. But I think one team's overrated. Washington was not impressive. They covered the spread, but forget about that. Against USC. But they won by 14. But the yards were equal. Plus, Washington had two turnovers to their advantage. Plus two, we call it, in the business. Now, watching the game, hint, hint, I watch a lot of games. I'm very knowledgeable. It felt like USC was playing them close to even. Thus, give me Stanford plus the points. I'm Fezzik. I'm out. Hmm. (laughs) That was a surprising hint. Yeah, it was. Brad. Well, here's. I hope I didn't talk you off the game. I I had... (laughs) I had similar thoughts, but I'm gonna put it, I'm gonna put it in perspective. I really liked Washington heading in that game. I thought there was a strong chance Washington was gonna blow out USC. That was my early line mover that I gave out on straight out of and Vegas. It looked like that out of the gate too. It did, and the fact that they couldn't put it on SC, 
and they're facing a similar style. Stanford team here questions uh, Washington and their ability to extend margin. And on the, on the other side, Stanford, the reason why I'm on the Cardinal and like the Cardinal, other than what Fez mentioned, he said so eloquently. I think this Thank is this, you. people are throwing the Stanford team in the trash. You look at and see who Stanford's played. They played SC, Northwestern, UCF, uh, Oregon already this season. They have played arguably one of the toughest schedules in the entire country. Haven't seen quit from them. They went on the road. Corvallis won in the final seconds of field goal in that game last week. This is the largest home underdog role for Stanford in 11 years. And there's only been one time in that period where they haven't covered as a home dog. I'm on the Cardinal here, plus the big point spread. Now, I have a real question about that. Let's get Ken's thoughts. Now, remember, Ken, this is an opinion for you, right? Mm -hmm. Is lead with whatever. So your opinion is on which side? I'm leaning towards Stanford. Uh, So you agree with these guys? Yeah. Okay, so give us the main reason you like Stanford. Main reason I like Stanford is it is too many points there. Uh, Shaw's track record at home, he's not going to get blown out. So you're saying you like the underdog because they're getting enough points. Well, and I'm not sold on Washington. I'm still not I'm not a guy that's sold on Washington. Easton's a good quarterback, but unless they're in Seattle, they're not a team that I'd like to bet. Now, Brad made a good point going into the BYU game. They took care of business there, and he was also dead on Washington when they blew out Hawaii at home. But I think here, muscle, mano a mano, they're not going to have an, an advantage as far as weight or strength, despite Stanford not having the same strength coach. I still think this game's going to be in the, you know, in the trenches, going to be very tight, and it's going to be a conservative game. I would probably lean toward the under. I don't even know what the total is, Brad, because I just looked at this as a game that I'm not going to play, but I lean Stanford just because 52. of the 52, lean under as yeah. well for me. So just to be clear, when you look at the whole card, it sounds like you go through and maybe it's like, hey, I don't have a feel for this team. But How many games do you think you eliminate the first pass? Uh, probably four or five. That's it? Only four or five out of the whole freaking card? Oh, no, out of the whole card. I thought you meant out of the games that we go no, over. No, 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 no. Over the whole card on a Saturday, how many games have you thought? I'm not even gonna... At least 30. 30 of? 30 out of 50. Okay. I like that number, actually. Yeah. Because it's not too tight. I don't want that gut feeling to cut too many games out because you get you don't get – then you fall prey to the obvious handicaps. You know, Fez won with the under in the Buffalo, New England. I was afraid it was too – I mean, I get why. Yeah. It just felt way obvious. But, you know, sometimes. All right, here's my thought. Brad, your theory – is when a team is in an outlier situation, I meaning historically they haven't been in that situation. Yep. And usually it's to the positive. You like to fade them, meaning, yes. you know, they've never been a favor against this team by more than four at home, and now they're favored by seven and a half. They're not used to it. Yep. In your rationale, give us the 30-second version of that. Well, to me, outliers usually represent overreactions in the marketplace. Because you're saying history says this is your range. To get out of the range means there's a real emphasis on short term. Exactly. And oftentimes a great blowout. Absolutely. All right. And you're figuring you don't trust that. Yep. Okay. Now, isn't this in reverse? Like when you're the bigot, when, when Stanford is this humongous underdog, yep. I've heard you use this before to – back a team like Stanford saying, hey, they're not supposed to be getting this many points. Thus, it's an overreaction the other way. Isn't there another side to it, though? Psychologically, this coach, this team is in spots where they need to motivate themselves in a way they've never needed to motivate themselves Mm. before. 
right? Meaning if you're, I've always been skeptical of a team that's playing for national championships. Once they get eliminated, once they maybe can make a ball. I mean, we see it just where you just miss the playoffs and you get beat by 40 on a New Year's Day ball. Yeah. In these seasons, these kids aren't going to any bowls, are they? Stanford? Well, yeah, I mean, they're still fighting for their life for a bowl. Are they really fighting for their life? Yeah, they're two and three. It's still out there. What's the, uh, you want to give me 50-50? No, I do not. All right. So, <laughs> no, that doesn't make my point yeah. fully. But I, I guess what I'm saying is, does it? do you feel like it's a lot? Are we, do you agree if it's to the point where you can question these kids, this program haven't faced, having to motivate themselves? I agree. Is Stanford at that point yet? They're getting there. I, I thought it would have been last week. I, you know, last week market was major against Stanford, and I think they were fading them. Hey, at one and three, what does Stanford have to play for? And they came out fired up. They got an early twenty-one nothing lead over Oregon State. I didn't see the quit on the season at that point, RJ. I think the way to say it is because I'm thinking this through as we're talking is when motivation is required that is coming from sources other than the team is used to. Let's fight for pride. You never know how they're going to react to it the first time. Agree. So, and maybe Stanford isn't quite there yet. They're not quite there yet. Okay. Fezzik and Brad, it's Iowa, Michigan's the next game. Now, what's amazing here is. Yeah, I can't believe that. What's amazing is Brad has a total in the game, and somehow Fez in abstentia. Has the same total, and they're not conflicting. <laughs> Let's start there, and we'll get to Ken. Well, you know, I'm accused in the pros of, you know, agreeing accused. with that. Yeah, accused. I think it's more than that. Yeah. So w- what way is it in this instance, RJ? That's what I'm saying. Oh, okay. You're a little slow on the outtake. Yes. I, <laughs> I'm liking the under here between Iowa and Michigan. Me too. <laughs> and here's what I see. I see an Iowa defense that refuses to give up the big play. I found this amazing. Iowa's defense has not allowed a single rush this year longer than 19 yards. On the flip side of that, I got a Michigan offense that has one rush this entire season of 20 yards or longer. So I don't think Michigan's offense has much success in this one. On the flip side, Iowa's the type of team that Michigan usually and the only shaky part of this is Wisconsin bucked that trend a couple weeks ago. But usually Iowa's the type of team Michigan's defense can defend all day against. It's nothing about a talent disparate like it is against the Buckeyes are running screen patterns and it's a wide receiver outrunning their defensive backs. That won't be the case here. And traditionally, Kirk Ferentz, very conservative on the road. He's good on the road, but conservative. Bring your defense. Special teams don't turn it over. I don't think they'll be very aggressive here. I like the under. Okay, Fezzik says, ditto. Oh, wait. (laughs) Uh, Michigan can bully teams, bad teams, but are typically ineffective in games, close games, I mean. 14 points at Wisconsin. Last year, 17 points at Notre Dame, 21 at Michigan State. And we would expect Iowa, as an underdog, to muck up the game. I said muck. Iowa likely to play control in a slow. It almost sounds like you're handicapped. Yeah. I wonder if, if your condo is bugged. You're Funny. thinking, I hope not. Yeah. Ken, you like the side. I do. I like Michigan, and I like Michigan a lot in this game. Ooh. Here's the thing. I think they have a new lease on life. 
Yes, they got blown out by Wisconsin. They know if they win the eastern half, they still have another crack, whether it's Wisconsin or whoever comes from the west. Do they want another crack? I believe they do. And here's the thing. this would If they can beat Iowa and gain confidence here, that'll give them confidence going into the Michigan State game. And, of course, that last game against The Ohio State University. It's in Ann Arbor. Shea Patterson and company, I think they can get it together. Keep an eye on Ronnie Bell. This guy is an outstanding receiver, and he had a catch early in that Wisconsin game that actually, when they were only down 7 nothing, that got overruled and was called no catch, and that would have put them deep into Wisconsin territory. Kind of changed and took a little bit out of the wind out of the sails of Michigan at that point Iowa they get the one point win at Iowa State didn't deserve to win that game otherwise they have two common opponents in Rutgers and Middle Tennessee State I like Michigan at home I think that they see you know what as bad as it was against Wisconsin if we win out and we control our own destiny here still in the Big Ten we can take care of business and yes Stanley I respect the senior quarterback for Iowa but they are conservative, and they don't have those same tight ends that they had last year that are both in the NFL, Fanton Hawkinson. Michigan has an advantage here as far as the receivers, and I believe they're going to take care of business by double digits, RJ, in this game. They win this game by 10 in well, Ann Arbor. This is going to be easy then because I'm right now the market – is the consensus is three and a half, but mm-hmm. there's some real fours out there. I misread the line too. I, I thought it was a value at four and a half, five points, and it went the other way. So why don't we do this? I'll take four. I don't. Even, you said four and a half or five. I appreciate the offer. I'll just take four, and you got a green button bet. All I'll give, right, I'll give it to you. And I know four is a key number, but I'll do it. No, it's not. Oh, there are no key numbers. <laughs> <clears throat> Brad, you want to jump in? No, I don't on this one. Yeah, I've got a real theory on Michigan. I'm going to save it. Let's focus on the picks. But at the end of the pot, I'm going to throw it in. And uh, but we got our bet plus four. You know, I don't really care about those half points, but, you know. Oh, jeez. Iowa. Oh, wait. Check that. Texas. West Virginia. Texas on the road favored by 11. Let's see here, Brad. I uh, Lean. Lean for Faz. Lean. All right, so here's what we're going to do. You guys are on opposite sides, but they're only leans. So let's start with our discipline here. The number one reason you like Texas or lean to Texas, Brad. A couple of key injuries for West Virginia, I think, is getting overlooked in the marketplace. On the line of scrimmage, they lost one of their best offensive linemen in Josh Sills, and they lost one of their best pass rushers in Alston on the defensive side of the ball. That's something that, I mean, look, there's injury reports out there, but a lot of people just look at skill positions. Two key injuries, I think, is getting overlooked. Lean Texas. Same thing, main reason you lean the other way. Yeah, the other way. I mean, Caden Stearns, leading tackler for Texas, out. Jalen Green, fourth leading tackler, out. Josh Thompson, sixth leading tackler, out. So I'm looking the other way. Texas is hurting. Three of their top DBs are out for this game. West Virginia, here's a team that's playing spirited ball at home. All of a sudden, in Morgantown. Against two. Look, they, hey. Oh, you slowed them down there. No, NC State. (laughs) NC State by 17, 44 to 27. They lost at Mizzou, no surprise there, and they went to By Kansas how much? and got a win. They lost 38-7 at Mizzou. Okay. Is I was on Ken, Mizzou. Is this Ken's I was number on, one? I was all over Mizzou. Is this Ken's okay. number one point? Because I'm, I'm struggling. I'm, I'm just saying this team is better, and that's why I lean. They're better, and they're in Morgantown. The crowd's going to keep. It's double did Texas can win by 10, and you're not going to win your bet. Well, here's what's nice. Brad got so fl- not flustered. He, got, he so disagreed with you, he reached for the green button. Now, these are leans. Right. But if you want to go, he's ready, it looks like. You want to go? No, that's why I leaned. I, I, I like it. No, no, no. I, I like it. I, I do it. I agree. Wow. But he's coming with a lot of passion yeah, for a I lane. like the passion. I mean, you know, listen, 
you put Brad against the wall. I mean, there's something. Oh, you know, geez, don't put baby in a corner. No, but Brad or, didn't mention any of the Texas injuries and those. I know. Were tough, I told him. He actually listened to my instructions and gave the one point. Yeah. Now, I'll let you have the last word, Brad. What do you disagree with with Ken the most? Well, the I mean, fa- it was a hodgepodge of things. I, I'm not buying West Virginia. They have one really. They have one good data point: the NC State game. Otherwise, the James Madison game they struggle. They got crushed by Missouri, and what they beat Kansas by five, right near expectations. I'm not buying West Virginia right now. This is what Brad says. That keeps one in the chamber in case you ponder it. I mean, he's ready today. <laughs> he's a, he's cockeyed. <laughs> I'm not exactly sure what that means. <laughs> All right, what did Faz have on this one? Uh, uh, just leans. Okay. I've only got so many imitations. Well, here we go, baby. <laughs> the Ohio State University. Open 21. Line value down to 19 and a half. Buckeyes at home. Oh, my. This is a crossfire between the boys in the house. <laughs> I'm going to let Ken have his first crack. It's just a coincidence. He likes Ohio State. No, I like the Ohio State University. Oh, RJ, you trained Ooh, me. Was, you over, babe. Hey, listen, that was my dad's team and grew up watching Buckeye football. End of the day, this is the best Ohio State team that I think I've seen in a long time. This Justin Fields kid isn't just a good quarterback. He's an outstanding quarterback. And J.K. Dobbins, one of the best running backs in the country. I thought they'd be hurting receiver-wise, but they've got plenty of good receivers there. Defensively, Chase Young, this guy will be a top three pick. Maybe top one pick. He's that good. Eight sacks already on his 17 tackles. Ohio State against a non-existent offense for Michigan State. A very predictable Brian Lewerke trying to find Stewart or White. That's really all they've got. Elijah Collins is a decent running back. Look, they've got two really good defensive players in Willekes and Batchy. That's great. That'll slow Ohio State down for, I don't know, five minutes maybe. Ah, I think this he's game... He's mocking yeah. you. I'm telling you. When you're telling me I only have to win this game by three touchdowns, I think only three touchdowns. I, I, think I'm co- I think I'm covering two of those by halftime. I think I blow this game open by 28-plus. Ohio State rolls. This team, the, the market has not caught up with Ohio State. The money's going the wrong way. Buckeyes in a blowout. Michigan State, get some speed. Maybe you'll have some offense. Ooh, strong stuff from KT. I'll say this. You talk about the best Ohio State lot. Of, this might be the best team, Ohio State team you've seen. I can tell you for a fact, this is by far the best defense Ohio State seen How so good far was that defense season. against Indiana at home last week? Gave up 31 to the freaking Did Hoosiers. they win? Did they win? What? Did, did they cover? Did ways. they cover? No, they didn't. Okay. But it can't be both ways. You can't say, oh, Michigan State's offense can't do anything. And they put up 40 points last week. Well, they got, they got one on the last play of the game. Yeah, that was an all right. absolute Fair joke. Enough. Okay, so. Here's what I do know. Michigan State, last eight years as an underdog, one of the best teams in the country, a team with a chip on their shoulder. Michigan State, under Mark D'Antonio, 19-9 and against the spread as an underdog since 2011. 14-15 straight up as a dog. They nearly win half the games outright. This is a team that's going to feel disrespected getting three touchdowns here. Give me Michigan State. He's playing a trend. I mean, this sounds like this this sounds like uh, disrespected. So they're not going to. Is it that they're an underdog or that they're disrespected? I think anyone like you're just you're like Fezzik here. You're saying the same thing three times. So this is all about what that you think Michigan State's going to play hard, very hard. Okay, and how hard is Ohio State going to play? They'll play hard. So where's the edge? 
The question becomes... It's on the edge, Hold on, on, my turn. Well, I agree. Good point. My question is, what's the number? I mean, to me, what you guys... I know it doesn't make for great radio or podcast. What we got to do is find a way to get the core there. What is the talent disparity? And then let's throw in the other factor. So yeah. what's your number set? Numbers say Ohio State by 21. Mm-hmm. Okay. So... That means now that somehow Michigan State has to make up for yes, yeah, and they're doing that through playing as hard as the better team, playing hard as the disrespected underdog. But you think they will play harder? Yeah. Oh yeah. Than Ohio State, because I haven't seen Ohio State not play hard for. That's true. I mean, uh, no, you're bringing up a good point. And the thing it is, in past years under Urban Meyer, yeah, I deserve it. I'm coming in, baby. Yeah. RJ, one other thing. The water's warm. Yeah. If this game was in East Lansing and they didn't cut the grass for two weeks, maybe that slows down mm. the Buckeyes. But on turf, Ooh. forget about it. Speed kills. Uh, very talented Buckeye team a couple years ago on turf in Columbus. How'd that work out? National was, was Coach Day there? No. National? What are you talking about? National? There was a national title on the line. They lost outright to Michigan State as a two-touchdown favorite. When was the national title on the line? It was 2015. They are defending champs, unbeaten. Everything was on the was line. This in the, was this in the playoffs? It was in November. So they when, lost the game, as you're saying. <laughs> apparently apparently every game Michigan yeah. lose or Ohio State loses, they've lost a national championship. Now, that's a standard, <laughs> and that's yeah. a team I don't think you want to fade, mm. but apparently you do. I've said it. I mean, it's almost like I feel like I might be typecast, like, you know, Arnold from different strokes. It's like, you know, boy, that RJ was ahead of Ohio State. I mean, man, it, prescient, some would say. Others would say premonitions. I'm going to keep it. I'm not going to take a bunch of bows. <laughs> Do you know how some people get premonitions? I'm one of them. Here's what I saw. Day was chosen. We've talked about this. I'll keep this very succinct. By an organization, an institution that chooses coach as well. He was an unexpected choice. That's when you know they feel strongly. Meyer was also behind him. They could add a hundred Matt Jones, Matt Campbell's, whatever his name is. No one cares. What's it? Matt Campbell. No one cares. <laughs> That's kind of like The Rock. Yep. How would he do it? What do you think about that? It doesn't matter what you think. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Now, you might say, oh, the lines are inflated because Ohio State's running it up. Well, Brad, we did a study. You zeroed in on it even more so. Break it down. So Ohio State, typically, and what we did here was compared Ohio State's hey, first. Ken, have you noticed we've got him making our point, our side now? <laughs> Just the facts, please. Okay, Ohio State scoring first half, second half. Ohio State gets 70% of their margin in the first half, only 30% in the second half. So what we did, RJ, and we kind of did this last week, kind of on the fly, we took the last 10 years. So modern college football, last 10 years of data, and we looked at teams that win between 40 and 50 points, which is smack dab in the middle, right where Ohio State's winning by about 45 points per game. And those teams only get most of their their margin in the first half, 60% of the time, 40 in the second half. 70-30 with the Buckeyes, 60-40 everybody else. And you think about the second half margin, it's like 25% of the second half margin Ohio State's not getting, you add that on top, how bad would these blowouts look? It's not like they haven't had the ability to do it. Mm-hmm. They've R- been nice. RJ, one thing for me, if you gave me just one team that I could pick out of the entire country, and you know me, I'm not an Ohio State guy, 
Ohio State would be my one shot over Alabama, over Clemson, over Oklahoma. Wait, not not with the current odds. No, you give me Ohio State. If I could only pick one team to win the national title right now, going into week six, Ohio State is my pick. Okay, I think I'm hedging. I'm taking Alabama. Oh, jeez. Ready? Yeah. Wow. We're right. in? Yeah, I'm in. All right, babe. Now, that is guts. That is gut. I mean, this, what's the current odds for Ohio State? Ohio State's like plus 450. Alabama's like two to one. See, that is the definition of guts. And, and Ken, I got to be honest, I respect it. I mean, when you're on the other side batting me, especially. <laughs> but I agree with you in the following way. I'm not sure Ohio State wouldn't be my pick, but I would want the four to one, you know. Yeah. Sure. But that makes sense. I love it. This, you know, that's all you got to do is make a horrible bet with me, and I'm going to put this on the radio tomorrow. So you can just write it off as promotional expense. <laughs> beautiful. And, Brad, I want to tell you this. I want to tell you this. This is what I feel from the heart, that you're batting me on high state. It takes guts climbing back in that ring knowing you're going to take a beating. <laughs> <laughs> so, kudos. Some of the toughest But he's on your best, best bet. Bets. No matter what, in the blind, he's on your yeah. best bet. Yeah, because I it, trust right? him. Yeah. He just... Here's the thing about Ohio State. Last point. Fezzik does this with Kansas City. If you feel like it's just some fluky touchdowns, this team's got lucky, the ball bounces its own way or a good way for you, fading a team that's having extremely good results, I like. The question you got to ask yourself is, has something fundamentally changed that I'm not considering? I'm just looking at the scores, and I'm not thinking – is Patrick Mahomes the next generation? Is he better than anyone else right now in a way we don't understand? Is Andy Reid finally got an elite quarterback? Think about it. Yep. I mean, he didn't at Philadelphia. He had a good quarterback. Yep. No one's going to mistake Mahomes and, and Donovan McNabb. McNabb. Yeah. They might sound similar, <laughs> their last names, but no. And to me, I think Kansas City's changed the paradigm. And I think this Ohio State team, you just don't know how good they are. This is showing you. It's Urban Myers players with a young coach that somehow caught fire emotionally with the team because they're playing hard every play. And he's a schematic guy, it seems like. It's like you got everything. Now, can he recruit this? Well, he's, well it's the Ohio State University. Yeah. What's missing from Alabama this year, Brad, that in years past you always had – what, what? Oh, you got to have it. <laughs> no, no. I'm saying a defensive yeah. star. Yeah, like I agree. Your linebacker is out for the year. But Chase Young, everybody will know who this guy is by the time playoff rolls around. And just to be clear, and this seems obvious, but if Ohio State wins, you win. If Alabama wins, I win. If neither wins, it's a push. You got it. All right. Well, Brad, do you want somebody else? And what would you make the line? No, I got the, enough exposure. What would you make the <laughs> line? Brad, right now, neutral field, Ohio State. I Alabama. would make Alabama a three-point favorite. And who would you take? Well, that's my line. You get, I mean, if Alabama's three and a well, half, but I that's, the, the, that's a good I'm point. Saying, yeah. but but that, that's the question. Who, who would you take? What, 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 I think what he's asking, it's a good question, is are you making the line as in your handicapper line or are you making a market line? I'm making a market line. So thus it's not stupid for him to ask. Yeah, that's a and good you point. Try to act like I would take was. Alabama minus three. Mm. So you were like, well, of course I would uh, I put the line of three out. Fair enough. Say you're sorry. I'm I know sorry. you're. Li- I I'm know sorry. you're a little worked up today. Yeah, I'm sorry. You're coming out cocksure. <laughs> There's some cock term yeah. that I'm not sure. It's cock. <laughs> There's something cockeyed. I think you've heard that, right? He's a cockeyed optimist. Was on Seinfeld, but I don't even know what that means. 
I know optimist. Yeah. yeah. For another day. Next game. Now we really, we're in the best bets. No, we got Vatek in Miami. Okay, and then we're in the best bets. Yep. Awesome. Let's do this. Quick and only commercial break. Then one game, best bets. And then if you want to hear at the end, we'll talk a little hardball. He does smile. Spoiler. This is RJ Bell's Dream Preview. College football fans, do you need to brush up on your football knowledge? Then enroll in the Dos Equis College Football College. Yes. You will learn from brilliant football minds like Jay Cutler, Martellus Bennett, who could say his name any other way, Katie Nolan, and John Bacon, mm, the man who wrote the book on college football, some would say. Now, you will have better odds, literally, on every college football argument you have this season. And you could even enter a chance to win tickets to the 2020 College Football Playoff National Championship. And here's the thing. Be the first in your family to earn a football-watching certificate from a beer school. Enroll at Dos Equis College Football, Football College, at dosequis.com slash E-D-U. Dos Equis, keep it interessante. Dos Equis beer brands. Enjoy Dos Equis responsibly, imported by Cervezas Mexicanas, White Plains, New York, copyright 2019, Dos Equis, beer brands, no purchase necessary. 50 U.S. states plus D.C., 21 or older. Enter by 12, 2019. Rules available at dosequis.com slash edu. So new concept. We're talking about the pyramid of sportsbook value. Just made it up. Probably could be better. But before the show, we talked about getting paid. You know, there's another side of it. There's the emotional side. There's the fun side. And to me, most people undervalue that. I've talked to a lot of gamblers. I've lived this. Professionals, non-professionals, pure recreation, very intelligent people doing it as a intellectual pursuit. Young people that don't like straight jobs, trying to be pro, all of it. You know what I found out? Is that a majority of people don't want to be a sucker but they realize that the pain, the effort it would take to truly win is so much that they even they realize it's going to be hard to really win long term. But, man, if I could break even, if I could have a nice winning year here and there and lose a little, and you know, no one wants to lose. No one wants to be a sucker. But most people are honest about their desire to really grind out a win. So what's left? It's the fun. It's not being a sucker and having fun. There you go. There's the recipe of what most gamblers, sports bettors are looking for. BetDSI has a great user interface. It is, you ever have an app or I'm sure you have websites and they just don't work and you might want the info. You might want to bet there, whatever it is. You might want to order that thing that's not on Amazon. But if it's not fun, especially in this world where the best companies lower the friction, increase the delight Hmm. Well, BetDSI is a modern company with an eye towards that user experience. That's another brick in the pyramid of value. And, yep, 100% bonus match on top of it. That's the 
dollar bill waving off the top of the pyramid, but it's a hundred dollar bill for a hundred percent bonus match. So baddsi.com, promo code BAL101. A lot of reasons to give them a try. Speaking of Amazon, coincidentally, if you're an Amazon Prime member, you should know that you have Thursday night football. That's right. Thursday night football is returned to Prime Video for the third season. The cool thing is you can catch all the action on your TV, on the web, or on your mobile anywhere in the world. And the experience is, quote-unquote, next level. Prime Video has the X-Ray feature. You can access next-gen stats, play history, team information, and it's now available on iOS, Android, Fire Tablets, and Fire TV. So if you're ready to hear a new take on the game, you can switch over to sports broadcasting legends, Hannah Storm and Andrea Kramer for the play-by-play. So if you don't have cable or simply want to experience the future of football, tune in on Thursday. Coverage begins 7 p.m. Eastern. Kickoff 820 Eastern. Also available on Fox and NFL Network. NFL Network simulcast subject to change. Thursday Night Football presented by Bud Light Platinum. Miami of Florida, Virginia Tech. Two leans. Guys, you're going to learn this no matter what. We're going to start with Ken. I want the one reason you lean Miami. Virginia Tech is one of the most, boy, I can't even say it. RJ, I watched that game last week. I've, I've seen that team regress so far from Beamer ball that Justin Fuente will lose his job at the end of the year if this continues. He's as bad a shape right now as Taggart is with Florida State. In fact, Florida State's probably better off. Vatek, this team's going to finish under 500. They keep going the way they're going. Okay, so it could be one of two things or maybe a combination of both. One is Virginia Tech's overrated by the market. Is that what you think? Wow. Yeah, I mean, to say the least. I mean, they're lucky they beat Old Dominion. They got pummeled so badly right, so, by a Duke But everyone knows that. But the question is, you don't think the market's accounting for it properly? No. Okay. I, Why don't you like it then? Because Miami is a, I'm not sold on Miami either. Here's a team that only beat Central Michigan 17-12. to 12. They beat Bethune-Cookman. They lost at North Carolina. And in the game against Florida, the score was deceiving. They gave up 10 sacks in that game. So there's nothing really for me to hang my hat on as far as Miami. Manny Diaz, jury's still out there. If I said you had to play Miami, you had to do one or the other, blind bet Miami the rest of the year or blind fade, what would you do? It's a close call. It is a close call. I'd, I'd, I'd probably blind fade them. All right, so really? j- Just by a smidge. So my question is, if one team you're almost thinking the market's pricing just right, maybe a quarter point, half point off, and the other team is massively overrated, wouldn't Miami have enough to fade the massively overrated team? No, I mean, Miami was a 30-point favorite against Central Michigan. They beat them 17-12 to 12 at home, and that was a game that they really needed to show something just to blow out a team that, that Wisconsin beat 61 nothing. All right. I mean, no, I and it kinda, both these teams, RJ, yeah, have fallen yeah. from the depths. I mean, and that's the thing is, I, what I think we're revealing here is a very interesting way you think about the games. It's not so much neutral versus an edge. You want to feel your team, right? Which, in a way, maybe is good. Maybe at least then you got to have two. I'm always worried if I just am basing the whole pick on one assumption. But again, that's the definition. If you really believe that assumption, you want to get exposure to it. Brad, same thing. 
uh, why you lean the same way. Why do you main reason you like Miami and why aren't you batting it? Yeah, I'm leaning. It's more of against Virginia Tech. And even though I downgraded Virginia Tech substantially since the start of the season, my power rings are going to say Virginia Tech should only be catching 12 here, not 13 and a half. But my confidence rating in Virginia Tech's power rating isn't strong. Here's a Virginia Tech team that's 0-4 against the spread. But what I like looking at at this point is combined margin. They've fallen short of expectations by 81 points. And what worries me, RJ, is, you know, the Athletic does a really good job of this investigative reporting. There was a report that came out this summer that there was basically a team mutiny at Virginia Tech at the end of the season where senior lane guys were like, we don't want to go to a bowl, just quit on the season. We're telling the underclassmen this. This was all in, in this article. And I'm wondering at this point with Virginia Tech coming off a blowout loss, is the season over with? Bud Foster's retiring at the end of the season. This feels like a kind of final swan song for a Virginia Tech program that's going to probably have to move in a different direction next year. Hmm. Zeppelin's record company was swan song. Was it? Yeah. RJ, the only other reason I do lean to Miami is because they make a big deal about the turnover chain, which is now a 305 turnover chain, their area code down there in Dade County, Miami. They're plus six on turnovers. Virginia Tech is minus eight on turnovers. And I know you say turnovers doesn't, you know, it's going to balance out or whatever or don't put as, as much. That's a 14 turnover swing. The, the, the turnover chain is positive EV. I mean, Miami probably should. What does that mean? It means it's greater than zero. It's not luck. I mean, there's an energy, especially if they get that one turnover. I've seen it almost turn into like two turnovers. When that energy in that stadium comes out, when they put on the chain, the players, there's a different, I mean. It's they like can the be you. Compl- We're back at the no, you. Exactly. Well, I mean, they can be flat in the game. They get that one turnover, and that that sideline like lights up. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it's the most exciting sideline. And Miami right now, the since they've developed the turnover chains the last three years, Number one in the country in turnover margin. And it's an interesting point. The whole theory of football outsiders talks about this on the NFL level. The whole theory is, is the turnovers now predictive of the future? Because Tom Brady, let's say, not throwing interceptions certainly is predictive the next year. What I love is Brad's passion, Ken's passion. These guys just love it. I still love the life. I mean, Henry Hill style. Now, (laughs) we're hitting best bets. Love it. Peace your mind, Ken. Here it is, SMU minus 12 and a half. My best bet at home against Tulsa. It's a Tulsa team that struggles to get offense, and they're going to go against the juggernaut scoring better than 44 points a game. SMU, Shane Bouchel, the transfer quarterback from Texas, playing at a very high level right now, 10 touchdown passes. He's rushed for two more. They have Xavier Jones, has 10 touchdowns on the ground. Roberson and Proach, these guys are outstanding, combining for 886 and eight touchdowns via the airwaves. And the defense, don't overlook SMU's defense. What do we think of? We think of the ponies. We think of Sonny Dykes. We think of offense. 25 sacks, they've given up four. Tulsa on the other end, they only have three sacks, all by Travis Gibson. They've given up 16, so they're minus 13, plus 21 on the other side. That's a plus 34 my way sack department. I think that just adds. I'm laying less than two touchdowns. I'll have that covered in the second quarter. SMU rolls by 30. 
Yeah, and I do lean that way, KT, with SMU. Here's a team that's, I mean, we talk about a market not getting a handle on a team with the reference to the Buckeyes. SMU's 5-0 and against the spread this year, plus 71. So my power rings are with you. The one worry I have is SMU's getting a lot of pats on their backs on campus this week. This is the first week that SMU's been ranked since the death penalty in 1987. That would worry me a little bit here. Are they zeroed in and focused like they were the first five games of the season? See, but that, that seems like the opposite. When young kids achieve something new they don't get jaded by it they might eventually it gets them excited yeah but you get talked up like you're the greatest no, no, thing but, in the world that, and you're a big favorite yeah see i think there are two different things okay. one is i think the market certainly like what makes me fearful is when they finally and we talked about this on sov they finally are getting national attention you know we have our straight out of vegas minute that goes across the country to all the iheart stations and for the first time ever, I talked about SMU, and I had my fun little, uh, is there life after death, right? The death yeah. penalty. Oh, my gosh, they're talking SMU. Who, I think the number of the public people that haven't bet SMU in years, perhaps, maybe never, are going to bet them this game. That, I think, inflates the line potentially. Mm. But I do think the kids are going to be enthused and excited by this. Okay. And I think Sonny Dyke says, look, you want to be in that New Year's Day Bowl? You've got to play every single week because you still have Boise State, Central Florida teams like that, Memphis, that are going to zone in on that game as well. All right. So I'm not saying I did. I think probably the inflation. I don't love Ken's pick just because the inflation of the public perception is probably stronger than the extra motivation. But I do think net or not net net, but – uh, zeroed in in a vacuum that the attention is helping the kids. Okay. If you now, I'm not sure I'm right, but if you're uh, last thing I'll say is, if you're a school that's used to the attention, and then you're getting it again and again, finally to get. I've, I've I've had this. You know, we've had this. Yeah. This is the first time. I mean, you've been around high school teams or co- yeah, no. when, when they're like they finally make the regionals. Do they seem lackadaisical? No, they don't. You know that that feels like what's Good happening point. here. Though you can never know. Yeah. Wooey, I didn't even notice this. See, I'm not even hyping this enough. <laughs> it's Dave Essler and Fezzik with best bets both on one side and a man with 24-inch arms. <laughs> Some would call them pythons <laughs> on the other. This is, this could headline WrestleMania. <laughs> Auburn, Florida, maybe the game of the week, huh? Oh, yeah. So we got three pros involved in the game of the week. Yeah. And Ken's against both of them. That sounds right. Yeah, I'm telling you, throw me in the octagon against Daddy Dave Esler and uh, Fez. Now, Fez has been working out, but at the end of the day, in an octagon, there's nowhere to Dave's run. Dave's like 62 years old. There's yeah, no I I'll feel, sorry. I'll feel, I'll feel, yeah, Dave, Dave will just pretend he's done. All right, uh, and, and I respect his opinion. Let me hey, tell you. hey, sleep. Tag, <laughs> there's nowhere to run. And do me a favor. Just send me both the single file of him and then, and then the whole file because I'll decide which to use. All right. All right, Auburn here. Here's a team that, after they win at A&M, could have gone home and just got by Mississippi State, but they didn't. They blew them out 56-23, letting people know this Auburn team could be for real. And if you're an Oregon fan, you better pray they're for real. If they win this game, all of a sudden Oregon's relevant again in the national picture. Going to Florida, I'm not sold on the backup quarterback, Kyle Trask. I am respecting Florida's defense. They get a bunch of guys back. They're healthy. The D is good. It'll be a low-scoring game for a while, but Auburn, 
with Bo Nix. Something about that kid. He's got it. He's got that intangible. Booby Whitlow, Cam Martin, good enough. And keep an eye on Anthony Schwartz. This guy's not catching a lot of passes, but a lot of end-arounds. That guy's got speed. Auburn's defense, the best in the trenches. And their offensive line next to Georgia, second best in the country. Auburn wins a close one, but they pull away, win it by 7 to 10 points. Hmm. What do you think, Brad? I'm on with, well, I mean, there's nowhere to run. I guess not for me either. Uh, I'm leaning Florida here. And you mentioned a little bit of it, KT. Florida's getting two, not just two defensive players back, arguably two of their best defensive players, cornerback C.J. Henderson, defensive end Jabari Zuniga, who's missed the last couple of games because of ankle injuries. That's going to be a feather in the cap for, for Florida. But what I do, one other thing why I think Auburn's starting to get expensive. 5-0 and against the spread this season. Now people are starting to you know, believe in Auburn. I bet Auburn. I won with Auburn. Five straight covers. Expense. I do worry, though, the matchup. Florida's offensive line, weakness of the team. Auburn's defensive line, strength of the team. That is only, that's the reason why I'm only leaning with uh, Florida here. Oh, my God. The fake Fezzik is waiting for his music. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> the DJs call that the crossfade. It's <laughs> <laughs> ah, twink, Twinkle Toes Flintstone. Ah. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with it. <clears throat> Florida's offense is undervalued with backup quarterback Trask. 9.8 yards per pass. One of my favorite advanced analytics. Yards per attempt. QB rating. 173 for 173 for Franks. 178 for Trask. Or Ken's just making a bunch of faces. Against Towson State. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, what are you talking about? Please don't interrupt me. Florida's rush D should contain Auburn's run-heavy game. Hint, hint, they're limited. Florida's rush D allowing 95 yards on 3.1 yards per carry. Don't think much about strength of schedule, please. Auburn's offense runs the ball just about 65% of the time, 5.3 yards per carry, but should have limited success against the Florida D. Go, Florida. Now, what's the line in this game? Auburn's favored by three. See, I'm seeing 315, and I, since I'm involved because Ashler is, I'm not okay with that. What's the market? All right, so here's what we're going to do. Oh, wait. Fezzik's music. Thank you. Went down to two and a half. No. <laughs> this guy. It's three minus 15. He's trying to get two and a half. Watch. No, it's three or three minus 15. Okay. So what we got to do, Ken, because, you know, I don't care about half points or, or lay price, but, I mean, we got to split the difference, right? So we, it should be plus 110 for us, right? Oh, wait, how's that work? Let me think about this a second. Um, this is weird because there's no VIG. So if we take out the straddle, we're going to take out 20 cents. So, yeah, we should become plus 105. No, we should be plus 105, right? That only makes sense because usually we're even money. This is five cents in that direction. So I don't care what anyone else. I, well, you and Fez, Fez isn't, you know what we can do? You and Fez, it's, now remember, this is a best bet. So this is a $300 special. So you and Fez, $300. I think even money's fine. You agree? Yeah, that's good. Now with me, 
back in day. Because remember, every pick from Dave Asler, I ought to, you don't look happy. Oh, no, I don't care. You seem like you do. No, I, I really uh, don't. <laughs> so, but I think it's only fair we use the market price. So sure. it, for us, it will be uh, three to win three fifteen for me. Okay. All right. Let's hear what Mr. Dave says. Hear it. Here it comes. Saturday in the Swamp, Florida, plus three over Auburn. This may be the biggest game in the Swamp since Will Greer beat number three Ole Miss four years ago. In fact, tickets on the secondary market are already more than half again that they are for the Georgia-Florida game. The argument for Auburn, strength of schedule. But to me, the Oregon win doesn't look as good now as it did at the time. And the win over the Aggies looks less impressive after seeing the Arkansas game. And to me, this is about the Gators' defense. Number three in takeaways per game, number 22 yards per rush, number two sack percentage, red zone defense, second in the nation. Remember, Bo Nix is still a freshman. He wasn't asked to do much in that Aggie game. I'll credit him for the Oregon comeback, but that was in Dallas. The Ducks' defense isn't the Gators' defense, and he was 13 for 31 in that game. So the hostile environment against the team looking at their next two games just has to have this one. Give me the green button, the Gators, and three points. All right. Astler comes in. And listen, I don't even care what Dave says. I mean, I do, but he and I have been together. It's almost 10 years. And he just wins, and then he wins, and then he wins. Not every day, nobody does. Not every week, nobody does. I think he's won every year, like calendar year. Not even every season, though. No one wins every season. But the best are going to win a big chunk. All right, Brad, we could, uh, can we could just sit here and talk? Or I can find out who I'm betting $1,000 on blind. And we've only known each other three years. You're on a cold streak. Yeah. And somehow I'm betting you blind. A lot of faith, RJ. I, you know, that, there's no other way to say it. You know what I'm going to do? Let's play a little different intro just to give us some luck. Come on, baby, $80,000. <laughs> do it. Yeah, not 80000 but you do have 1000 on Cincinnati plus four. Best bet for me. Friday night game, Cincinnati plus four. Here's what I see with Cincinnati. I think the market, a lot of guys, including myself, just a couple weeks ago against Ohio State, we were on Cincinnati, and even the line moved in Cincinnati's direction in that game. We thought Cincinnati with Luke Fickle, the former Ohio State player, assistant coach, interim coach, they'd give an inspired effort. Final score in that game, Ohio State, the Ohio State, 42, Cincinnati nothing. Market threw Cincinnati in the trash. But what have we seen since that game? Are you kidding me? We've seen an Ohio State team crush Indiana by a similar score, crush Nebraska by a similar score. So now we have to reevaluate Cincinnati. And speaking of reevaluating, looks like Cincinnati's head coach, Luke Fickle, reevaluating his team after the Marshall big impressive win last week. Here's what he said about the locker room. This was the, the complete game we've been looking for. We've been in a little bit of a rut coming into this week. We were 2-1, and one, but it just didn't feel the same. The energy. And then after night, you walk in that locker room, there's a different energy. And speaking of energy, it's going to be one of the biggest games at Nippert Stadium in quite some time. The winner here has the inside track of winning the division in the American Athletic Conference. And I think UCF, RJ, a couple weeks ago suffered that loss that broke their long regular season win streak. We call this bubble burst in uh, the industry. Who's we? 
Me. I I've guess. never said bubble burst before. We, we haven't. Bubble I call burst. It dream crusher. Dream, dream crusher. Trademark RJ. Trademark Powell. dream crusher. And you're gonna say, well, it, it didn't bubble sh- burst. Fair enough. <laughs> dream <laughs> crusher. You're as good as dream. Crusher. No, dream crusher is way better, especially being on the dream podcast. <laughs> but it didn't show up last week. Why? Because they're just so much better than Connecticut. They're a forty-plus point favorite in that game. Here's where I think it might show up here. I like Cincinnati. I bet Cincinnati plus four. R.J. Bell, thank you for having faith in me. You're betting Cincinnati plus four. And I'm going to show anybody out there that thinks for one second that maybe I'm second-guessing myself that I am the greatest of all time forever and ever. He's not going to second-guess himself. No, he's not. $1,000 for cool G, as we call it back home. Are you at liberty to play for that, Stanley? Would you prefer to play for smiles? No smiles for me, baby. <laughs> if we lose no smiles, backing it for a thousand. So when should we bet this, baby? Good call. Uh, it, it's tough because UCF's a very public team. This is a national spotlight game on an isolated TV ESPN Friday night. My instincts say that the public's going to be very pro Central Florida. We might get a slightly better number on game day, RJ. Hmm. <laughs> All right, I'm going to look at them. I'll see. Now, if you're in between betting now and betting later in general, do you have a, an outlier number? Meaning if half the, you know, if almost all the markets one way, or if all the markets one way, I guess it's never all one way. So if it's 50-50, you can wait because you, could, you should be able to see unless the syndicates really hit yeah. it, if it trickles one way. But if it, the whole world's at, th- um, what's the line in this game? Four. Cincinnati plus four. Yeah, if the whole world's a four and there's one four and a half, you just grab it. Because whatever bet you're making on line moves yeah. in your mind, you know, whatever risk you're taking, it, you know, you don't want to lay minus a half. Yep. Right? Even Fezzik doesn't want to do yep. that. And he's a great line move predictor. Let's give him credit. Thank you. I'm the fake Fezzik. Hey, this is going to work. Yeah. I'm going to go with this. <laughs> <laughs> just enough, like salt. Yeah. Just like salt. Like Fezzik himself. Oh, yeah. You don't want too much. Jeez, oh, I mean, bad for your health. You blood mad, pressure. Could you? It's bad for mine. <laughs> could you imagine living with him? Just uh, the selfishness. I mean, he wouldn't take the garbage out. <laughs> you try to like somehow batch you, like find a way to three card Monty you and make you take out the garbage for a year. Yeah, it wouldn't you, be. It wouldn't be fun. You wake up and he's standing over your bed with a vacant stare. Oh wait, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> I think I'm more likely to do that. <laughs> All right, so I'm in for the thousand. Oh, Ken, what do you think on this matchup? Okay, I'm going to go with the over in this game. Central Florida and Cincinnati, both teams can score. Even when Central Florida was getting shut out 21 nothing, nearly halftime against Pittsburgh, found a way to put up a bunch of points. Cincinnati, they move at a quick pace. So does UCF. I think 60 is much too low. I'm going to play the over, and if I had to pick a side, I'd probably lean Bearcats at home. I like the way Des Ritter plays the quarterback position, and I think they're going to end up winning that game and probably cover that number. Okay, Brad, you know, I kind of intimated towards this at the beginning of the pod. I've been impressed with some of your self-analysis, specifically, and we discussed this, and you really embraced it. I have found historically one of a professional who's – providing content has a game that's going to get so much more attention than any other game that week. And the reality is you've got hundreds and hundreds of people that pay you for your picks. And there's, there's great value in the premium stuff, 
especially if you trust a pro. And, and the reason is simple. Right now you're getting a snapshot. This moment in time, you may bet we don't talk about them. Now people might say, why don't you talk about them? Because if Brad laid three and the line's four and a half, who gives a F, right? He can tell you he has a lean on the game of the current. Now, I don't want to hear him. Anyone that watches any of the shows on TV and they got the guys on there, this is not fake Fezzik. My number is six and a half. I have a limited number of invitations. There's a dumb guy and there's a nerdy guy. I'm not sure I have any other ones, but I'm good. Letterman, his imitation was the auto lotto machine is broken. He goes, the auto but I can't lie. My dumb guy voice came from Letterman. So, you know, if you're going to steal, you steal from the best. <laughs> I've been watching some old Letterman. Dude, was funny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's funny because I remember in 83. Oh, wow. And Letterman was having like, maybe 84. Letterman was having his third anniversary. So my grandparents... Uh, who, you know, lived down the block. So they were like second parents to me on my mom's side. And my grandfather just passed away, you know, about a year ago. And he was uh, 95. Uh, they love Johnny Carson. Anyone that age or even, you know, older yeah. or younger, I'm sorry, uh, by 10 years away, they loved Carson. Because that's all, there was three channels. Every night they went to bed. There was yeah. no other talk show at night. Think about it. And he was so affable. Carson and I actually been watching some Carson when he would be on Letterman or Letterman when he was on Carson because they really liked each other and uh, Letterman worshipped Carson it was like you know and (laughs) the I said guys I go Carson's old news you know I'm 14 or whatever it's like Dave Letterman he's the and he really was it's funny if you aren't you know in your 40s like me or older, you don't realize that the stuff that happened in the 90s, the sardonic, the 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 less sincere TV people just didn't really exist. Ted Baxter, who, you know, Mary Tyler Moore style, you know, hello, I am Ted Baxter, and this is the news. Well, I got three imitations. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty good. That was true. That's what news guys sounded like. Empty suits, deep voices. One of the greatest lines in sitcom history was when Ted was finally getting married. Mary Tyler Moore is a great show. It's great. It's not good. It's great. And Murray was his writer. Murray was bald, you know. And finally, Ted's getting married to Georgette, I remember. And she was a nice gal. So the I don't think it was a priest. It was a preacher or whatever said, um, okay, so that you guys have chosen to express your love in the eternal bond that will be this you know, matrimonial, whatever. You, you, you decided you wanted to say it in your own words. So Ted can, you know, you go first. Or maybe they went, you know, George at first. Yeah, yeah, I love you, blah, blah, blah. And then it's like, Ted? So Ted's staying there, and he's got this kind of look on his face, like he's in the deer in the headlights. And no, no shit. Murray leans up and whispers in his ear because yeah. Murray writes more. Yeah. And he goes, Georgette, the day I met, he starts talking <laughs> what Murray said. It was like, it was like 
just the way that you had no idea it was coming, and then it was the subtle move of him leaning up, and you just it hit you, and it was just pure comedy. He couldn't even do his yeah. own marital <laughs> vows without Murray, but he was happy, you know, like like someone had a lobotomy. <laughs> so anyway, bringing it all back around. I mean, the big show has to be the big show for a reason. I like the, what, what I've talked about is, and what we talked about, is pros are afraid to be contradicted. To be second-guessed is probably the better word. They don't want to be second-guessed. Who does? Yeah. And there used to be an old saying, no one gets fired for buying IBM. So if you thought the company XYZ was a, a little bit better, a little bit cheaper... Would you buy IBM? Well, if you own the company, you would. Or I'm sorry, if, would you buy company XYZ? Well, if you owned your own company, but if you work for someone else, you're thinking, okay, I'm saving the company. How much money do I get for that? Mm, nothing. And if this thing screws up, I'm in trouble. And the big boss is going to say, mofo, why didn't you buy IBM? Yeah. And I'm going to try to explain, but it's going to sound goofy in hindsight. So they bought IBM. If you lay two and a half points with a good home team, kind of hard. You know, you got the line value. You know, you didn't get the line value. The line value would be three. If the market was three and you lay two and a half, but you can't do that with public picks. You can do that with your own betting, perhaps. Do you take the Miami Dolphins in that spot? Mm. Because the fact that the the pro becomes like a square when he gets scared. That's a good point. It's not a good point. It's a freaking great point. You talk long enough, you say something good. <laughs> the pro bets like a square when he gets scared. And Brad, I think when you were choosing your games for yep. the best bet, that maybe was happening a little bit. I think you are you hit the nail on the head, RJ. And if you profile me and go back through the best bets I've had so far this season, they have one thing in common. A lot of short favorites that fit that profile. Boy, you had the home team that's really good. How can this play lose? At least if it does lose, you're not going to be second-guessed. You had the better team. They're favored. They were at home. How can you question it? Yeah. They, well, here's what the record is. 0-4-1 with that type of... So wait, you didn't lose every game. I went 0-4-1. You didn't lose every game. (laughs) I mean, I know some old school touts that would have back in the day put out a a whole mailing. (laughs) 0-4-1? Yeah, the streak. Well, especially if it was like 0-4 and and then they pushed. Yeah. Losing streak over. Exactly. (laughs) You put it under that. No, that's not how we roll here. (laughs) So what I like what you did, uh, RJ, is, you know, don't be scared in this instance. You know, don't usually a lot of times some of the hardest bets are the best bets. And that's really stuck with Usually I think almost always. Yes. Because by definition, what makes it hard or what's the result of it being hard? Other people aren't betting it. What what are you trying to find is teams that other people aren't betting. So they but they're cheap. Yeah. You know, which makes them cheap. But you think they're too cheap. Yeah. And in this instance, I can already hear the buyback. How'd you only take Cincinnati plus four? UCF's good. Are you kidding me? Have you seen UCF the last three years? They're only laying four against Cincinnati. How could you pick Cincinnati? Last year, UCF won 38-13. UCF. 
So you have an imitation. Who yeah, is Yeah, I don't guy? know what that is. Yeah, I don't Just know. a lot of anger coming of anger, out of your yeah. gut. You've been yeah. hiding it. A little bit. Yeah. Ah, it's like a furnace. It'll start leaking. <laughs> what I was impressed by is you looked at the things you've done right. And again, I mean, it bears repeating. You're at pregame for three years starting this football season. Would have been the beginning of the fourth or is the beginning of the fourth. And college football, you're specialty, all the college knowledge, two winning years, one losing year. And in the other sports, they've been shockingly good. Now, I get shockingly is it's not your area of expertise. But, for example, give me an example or two of what you've run hot or, you know, been winning well, at. College basketball, all-time 60%. Three seasons, 60% combined. That's mind-blowing. It I mean, is. it really is. Yeah. NFL's like 58.5% three years. So, guys, listen, we get it. Brad's supposed to be his job is to kill college football. Well, really, college basketball, too. It's just a shorter part of the season. And if he doesn't do that, he's not going to be a success. All right? But he's done it. All right? This is the aberration. All right. Anything else? No, but it's I'm good. A- that Ken, you know, Ken, the, the, to me, the fact, well, it made me go to the thousand. The fact he did, you know, he was leaning your way. Well, he didn't go against it was the key. Yeah. All right, last thing. We're going to talk Michigan. Ken had to take off. We're going to do this at the end, as you guys can tell. Here's, first I want to give proper credit. This was a combination of guys. I tell you, it's funny. These debate shows, you know, first things first. The quality of the X's and O's analysis. You ever watch this? Not first things first. Yeah, go to YouTube All right. and maybe check out the best of the best. I mean, Nick Wright is a thinker, and, they, and when Main Genie's on, I, I don't miss a segment with Main Genie. Uh, this guy, no, you can tell he hates being there. He so wants <laughs> to coach, but he really knows his stuff. But anyway, this was more. Uh, Chris Carter was talking about this a little bit, but th- this was on some different shows. They were all talking about Michigan. And here's what struck me. So I think we all know that kids, each generation, change. And I think if you think about which percentage 20 years ago, let's say, Tom Osborne era, so even a little more than 20 years ago, and if we said what percentage of kids have a winning mindset, you know, old school, whatever, but team – Team first, that kind of thing, right? I think we would say it'd be a small percentage. They didn't come into those programs with that attitude. Now, some did, but I think a minority. And I think it's the same thing with kids today. There's a minority of kids who come in with that Nick Saban-esque attitude. The question is, and maybe it's a smaller minority. Now, I don't know, but I don't know how much smaller – I know it's easy to always look at the prior, you know, the next generation and, you know, quibble. But what happens once you got to, and, and which is probably still the case at an Alabama, but it's not many other places. What happens when you got to Ohio State, when you got to Alabama back in the day? They, through intense yeah. coaching, turned you into one of those guys. And if you didn't get turned into one of those guys, you, you were off the team. Eventually, right? Yep. There was no player empowerment. 
I mean, I saw one-on-one. They would pull scholarships. <laughs> you ever see that? No. Oh, that's old school. That was even too, I think it was 79 or something. Yeah. But Bill Simmons always talks about it. I, I wonder if that's on YouTube. There was a kid that was at some school and small school, you know, like, you know, state U or whatever. And he, the coach just took a disliking to him. Basketball. Yeah. And then he, you know, he has him do drills where he's getting like, you know, dunked on his head. I mean, just like pretty gruesome stuff. And he wouldn't give up. And finally, you know, I guess I'm, I don't know. Can you spoil a movie from the yeah. 70s? But let's just say um, it was an uplifting ending set for his teeth. <laughs> he still didn't have his teeth. No. So, there were, but it was pretty rough back in the day. You'd agree, right? Yep. Nowadays, they don't have the time or the flexibility, the coaches, to train the kids to adopt these values. Think about it. 20-hour week rule, yeah. all the different rules, and they're less open to old-school lessons. Think of, why did Mangino get fired again? And this was 10 years ago, right, or more, or 10. 10. Why did he get fired? Being too hard on the players. But what was the, what was the thing that was the problem? I, I don't know if there was any the major thing that was the problem, was Which, there? I don't know. Yeah. I don't understand it to this day. <laughs> yeah. And you look, Kansas Orange Bowl, the Kansas worst program in mm-hmm. history. You don't realize. Was it worth it? Well, and again, if you really, truly believe the values that he was going against, I don't know what they are. I was around him a decent amount. He was a tough guy. I don't think he's dead, but but he was just wanted to win. He was a Snyder guy. He was, you know, part of that tree. He was actually a GA on the first team. They used to call him the Bear. I remember. Really? Yeah. George was on that team, and, and his brother was coaching, and he used to talk about the Bear. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess it makes sense because Mangino, even when he was like 30, he looked like he was 50. He yeah. has that look about him. Oh, yeah. Now, here's the question. We had on, and we'll get it next week now that he's, let's hope he doesn't lose this game. But Sonny Dykes, we got the interview. I just haven't gotten around to editing it. I mean, I asked for, you know, maybe the Division One Coach of the Year to do the interview, but <laughs> yeah. I just can't find the time to edit it. I'm not so sure that's smart. <laughs> but it's kind of cool. But not really, kids. Why is it that it seems like there's more good players, more good quarterbacks, more good coaches than ever, right? Yep. But Alabama and Clemson are more dominant than any two teams have been. Maybe, yeah. maybe since 1980. Like, if you really said, you know, Miami had their dominance, it came and it went. You know, Nebraska, remember, Nebraska couldn't win the big one. They yeah. should have went for two in 83. And then all of a sudden, Osborne won two, right? And then he was out. Tommy Frazier. Won three in four years. He did three. Yep. But remember, he had zero. Well, two and a half if you count the Michigan. I uh, don't really count that. Well, I don't count Michigan. I don't think yeah, that's either, what I meant. I don't think either get a title. <laughs> there was no title awarded. Disputed. So, but the distance. I mean, it's one thing for Miami and I'm not talking about a two-year, but I'm saying over seven or eight years, has there been any situation with as dominant as Alabama? Well, let's just start with Alabama. Alabama's as dominant as any team has been. Yes. But I thought there's more parity. And then you add Clemson, and they've been as dominant as any number two team has ever been. In the last four or five years, yep. And it's a long time. It's a half a decade, yep. man. What other team was even dominant 
for a ha- more than a half a day. I'm I, not saying they weren't making New Year's Day bowl. I'm saying national championships. Yeah, national championships is a separator because, you know, Miami won four in nine years. Okay, that's every other year and less. All right. I mean, the only sustained run, Florida State, 14 straight top fives from 87 but to the, You know, I got to tell you, a lot of those, listen, let's give them a lot of credit about it, but a lot of those was being ninth and winning the bowl game. That's true. I mean, like he won like ten straight bowl games. They were, and which is impressive. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, they weren't in the national title hunt. A lot of those because Miami would knock them out or whatever. Yeah. Right? Wide left, or wasn't yeah. it? Right, right. Is so. But, but RJ doesn't know college football. Nah, this guy, <laughs> I know a little bit. Yeah. So now here's, but again, this is. I'm just kind of in this case. I'm bringing in what everyone's saying and kind of putting it together. I think in a different way. Maybe it's this. A program either has to be able to pick those few who already have those values. So think about Alabama. They can almost get anyone in the country, right? Yep. Who are they taking? Are they taking the very best players? Or are they saying, okay, amongst the the best 50 players in the country, there's 10, 20% that have the character that we think is going to be easy to teach. They either have it coming in or it's going to be easy to teach them this winning way, this mindset. It's funny. If you can't teach it, you got to recruit it. Mm. And the only way to recruit it is be able to get, because think about all the schools that will get a guy like a Tlaib, you know, Kansas got him from Juco or whatever, and they helped. He helped him win. And remember, he had an INT return for a touchdown in that game against Virginia Tech against Beamer. And you, these all these middle of the road programs, the Rutgers, the the Marylands, if they can get a guy that Alabama would even consider, they're going to take him. Regard unless they break a rule that they can't go against, yep. they're taking him. Right. Yep. So in a way, they're getting the lowest of the low uh, when it comes to perceived character. I know some kids are misperceived. Some kids get better, but I don't want to build a program around that, yep. right? I want the guy who, you know, had a, the perfect attendance at high school, right, that does charity work, whatever. Yep. Whatever it is, these schools are good at predicting character. Not perfect, but they're good. Nick Saban's good at everything he does. So Saban, it seems like you don't hear – now, it's funny – Five, seven years ago at the better schools like Alabama, you heard about maybe more shenanigans. Oh, yeah. Urban Meyer at Florida. Yeah. Doesn't it feel like that with the Alabama and Clemson that you hear less now? Oh, yeah. Compared Why? To, that's a good point. Maybe they're recruiting to character. And character might not be the right word. Let's say winning mindset. Yeah. Because wouldn't you, if you can't teach it anymore... Because of time limitations, because the millennials are snowflakes, as some say. You recruit for it. And who can recruit for it? Alabama. That's it. Yep. Now, how's Dabo Sweeney come in? He might be a true genius at player management, at teaching, at engendering emotion. It seems like he has coaches that never leave. Yep. You know they're getting head job offers, right? Oh, yeah. You don't think he's engendering the same with his players? So maybe he's getting that second-tier winning mindset. Because here's what's amazing. They're finally getting great recruiting classes. 
But the team that won it last year, the four-year average of recruiting classes for that team was? Clemson. And it was number 11. Yeah. That's not great. No. It's not Alabama. Alabama's one. It's not Ohio State. No, Ohio State's two. So how Dabo doing it? I think even with the limitations that the current political or current environment present, the limited time he could still teach that mindset. And what do you have left? You have a lot of programs with some talented kids, the SMUs of the world, but they're not in the same universe. You get the programs that try to go for the home runs with the character guys, and eh, sometimes they hit, sometimes they don't, but they never win national championships. Because you're competing. Back in the day, Saban could get the best players. Now he can get a player in the top tier, maybe not quite as good with the character, with the team mindset, the winning mindset. Now, let's swing it around to the Michigan. <laughs> Michigan's not one of those teams. They're, they're not Alabama. They're not Ohio State recruiting. If you just say intrinsic recruiting ads, are they even top 12 anymore? Mm, they're on the fringe right there of that. 10 to 15. 10 to 15 is totally fair. So they got to choose between non-A-plus players and in, in, in team mindset or A-plus players without the mindset. Yep. Now... There might be exceptions, but mostly. Now the question becomes, whose coaching technique, whose teaching technique has probably aged the worst in this shifting environment? Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, the screaming doesn't yeah. work as well. It does. No, it doesn't. Does, does Davo scream a ton? No, not that much. But when he does, it means something. Yeah. Saban still screams. But, but Saban, Saban. Yes. Meaning he's the guy that's the last guy maybe that can do that. I wonder if anyone's going to be able to. Re- I agree with that. So, and he's got the, it's like Belichick. No yep. one's going to get away with what Belichick gets away with. No. But he's Belichick. He's yep. Saban. These are two yep. of two. You know how we know for sure? If you watched closely, Harbaugh told us something was wrong. That his old ways wasn't working. Team trips to the Vatican? Do you know about this? Oh, yeah. He's been doing it for like four years. To the Vatican for all four years? Not Vatican. He's gone to South Africa. He's gone to France. I mean, there's like Sleepo. It's a lot of goofy stuff, yeah. right? Does that seem like a hardball thing to do? No. It's him saying, I, I can't really connect with these kids. I can't beat them up the way I want to or scream at them. And I'm going to try to – it's almost like Big Ben having the – the two-day picnic or something or whatever it was where he didn't invite him. Yeah. It's like, we know you don't want to, buddy, <laughs> right? Yeah. So Harbaugh either can be himself and be an ineff- or not a f- uh, fully effective coach or he can try to be something he's not. But who in the hell wants to pay someone 70 or $7 million a year to be faking being Dabo Sweeney mm. and being a poor version of it? Good point. So to me... The offense, the fact that he's – that's just another sign of desperation. He recruited for the pro set, but now he's going spread. Yeah, even more desperation last week. Get this. How many teams do this, RJ, in the middle of a season? So they went to that no-huddle spread offense. Wasn't operating very smoothly, to say the least, under Gaddis. He's been calling plays up in the booth the first three, four games of the season. They moved him down to the sidelines last week. 
That's desperation. Yeah. Yeah. Or you could almost say something's got to be better than this. Well, yeah. But but to me, it's when you change your entire reason for being. Imagine if you were going to hire a coach that ran a pro set and he said, you know, I'm thinking first year we're going to switch the spread. <laughs> You're thinking, well, then I got another guy in mind yeah. if I wanted a spread offense, right? Yeah. So the game, it's it, the culture has changed in a way that Harbaugh is less effective as a coach. Your ability to get players that don't need ultimately t- fundamentally changed. Uh, I keep going to character, but I think that just goes to so many things that I don't mean. So mindset-wise, it's almost like, like looking back, it's almost like a sure disaster, which it's been. Yep. What do you think? I think. That- what part do you disagree with? I don't disagree with hardly any of it, RJ. You haven't heard this put together. No, I've not heard it put it together. So it's like the first, I'm trying to soak it all in because it's the first time I've heard it. Because, I mean, what's went wrong? Because everything, let's face it, I mean, the first couple of years, Harbaugh was really working. He took over an average Michigan team that had a losing record. And outside of the Ohio State games was, I mean, the best Michigan's had since maybe Bo Schembechler. And all of a sudden it's come crashing down here. If you're existing players at a place... You only got a year or two left, and the savior comes in. Your tolerance for this kind of mm. old school stuff goes up, I think. Yep. And then over time, it gets old. We've heard that before, and I can imagine. But then also, the the culture keeps evolving every year that goes. I mean, if you look at different things and say, how much have they changed in the last three years? A yeah. lot. So, I do think it's interesting. That's the piece I hadn't thought of till just now. Is Alabama used to be in the mix for the you know stolen TVs or what? It just feels like that that's out there as much as ever generally, but not with Bama. It feels no. like they're recruiting for that mindset more. Yeah, they don't have many off the field issues at all for a team like that. In the past, the Miami, yeah, even Nebraska when they finally went over the hump, when won titles. I mean, you had Lawrence Phillips, you had Grant Wistrams, the Jason Peters, all had law legal problems. Let's just put it. And, I mean, ultimately, all this may be true. There's some truth to it. But, I mean, with Harbaugh, he still has to overcome. He smells. And, I mean, how do I top that? You don't. Talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Catch the Wise Guy Roundtable each week. College football released on Wednesday. NFL on Thursday. Don't miss any winners. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Visit podcastone.com and download the Podcast One app. Have a question for RJ? You can contact him directly on Twitter at RJ in Vegas. Live the dream with us each week.